We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Light Years. Sam Esfandiari here. Sitting across from me, I got Big Nesh from Guest Dub's Fast Break blog. Sitting in for Andy. Biggie, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Sam. Always doing better after a Warriors victory, particularly a competitive one. Fun night. Yeah, so my first thought was, this is one of the more fun games the Warriors have played over the last few weeks. The Wolves... I, th- I thought it was an all-around competitive game. The, the first thing, the first take really from it is like, Warriors are hitting shots again. And I know they hit shots last game, but like now we're establishing a pattern of the Warriors hitting shots. And it's been a long time coming because they went through a really long slump. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the, the stat sheet right now. And I did a double take in the game because the Warriors ended up shooting 50% for the game. And 60% from three, which I've never really seen happen for them. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it was a collective effort, too. Steph had a great game, um, particularly great fourth quarter. What do, you, what do you have? 14 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and kind of came alive and ended with a nice, efficient 10 for 20 game, 6 for 10 from three. Uh, but but it's really beyond that. Clay shooting the ball really well. Um Tempted to say Clay was better tonight than he was in the last game. Um, but it goes beyond that. Like Jordan Poole, he had one of those games where I'm like, I don't know if he might be the best player on the floor with all those guys. And it was across the board. And I think they needed it, quite frankly, because the the Wolves' athleticism, particularly in the first half, jumped off the screen to me. Like you, they looked – I mean, they are, they're an ultra-athletic team, and I think it kind of gave the Warriors some problems early on. For sure. I thought in the first half, um, you know, with Minnesota going into halftime with it, was it a five point, four point lead? Um, You know, Carl Anthony Towns got whatever he wanted and the Warriors were tested, right? The reason they were in that game is because they shot an absurd percentage from three. And then that eventually cooled off at the end of the second quarter. Warriors go down a bit. The three point shooting came back with a vengeance, though, in the second half. And finally, kind of as you'd expect, they started to play enough defense um, against Minnesota to hold them off. Um, shot making was incredible, like you said, between Jordan Poole, uh, Steph, Clay, Wiggins had an efficient game. Uh, 
it was just an all-around offensive explosion, um, and that made a huge difference for the Warriors because they haven't looked like this in months. They looked like this a little bit against the Mavs, but you know that went to garbage time pretty quick. Yeah, it's, and I feel like that's really what we're looking for. It's like, let's see if the Warriors can establish a pattern. I'm not expecting 60% from three every night, but I'm for sure. also... I mean, they they hit a stretch of, I want to say, 20% from three for like 10 games in a row or something something ridiculous like that where I'm like, okay, they, they're not that poor shooting ball. So give me something in between those two, please. Exactly. You you take the the average every single game, and I know it's, you know, small sample size, three-point shooting is notoriously up and down, especially this season for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, it's going to even out in the long term. You know, the Warriors are not – they didn't get Monstar, right? Uh, aliens right. from outer space did not come in and steal their shooting powers. Um, maybe they did for Steph. I don't know. It looks like they finally got him back. Michael Jordan won in some alternate multiverse and and gave everyone their powers back. But the Warriors are going to be fine shooting the ball. That's never really going to be a concern for them. It's just, can they survive those games where suddenly the shot's a little bit off? And I think the best sign for the Warriors is Steph going to the mid-range. Clay going to the mid-range, Jordan Poole going to the mid-range, Andrew Wiggins, although maybe a little bit more than he needs to going to the mid-range, those counters are going to help because there are going to be games when the shot's not going down and they've got options now. They've proven they can kind of dig themselves out of the muck. And, and for me, the stats that are – the thing that's really interesting about this game is the assists. 31, Steph was the led the team with six assists a game, six assists for the game. Um, it's not just – they're obviously without Draymond Green. Draymond is kind of the fulcrum of the offense when he's in there. You, you can kind of – you know the Warriors are humming when you look at the, the box score and it's like, wow, Draymond had eight assists, 10 assists, 12 assists, something like that. They're doing it by committee, and uh, we were talking about this before we got on there, but it's like playmaker clay. This is second game in a row where I'm just like, I don't remember him being this good of a passer pre-injury. He had four assists tonight. And I don't think that really does justice to it. Um, just to just to finish off the thought, it's like Wiggins, four assists. Bielitsa, six assists. Really good high post mm-hmm. playmaking. Jordan Poole had a great game all around, including reading the defense. He had five assists. And it was just kind of – I think this is probably what it's going to have to be while Draymond's out because they're not going to have that one guy to run everything to who's going to end up with double-digit assists. It's going to be a lot of – um, everyone chipping in three to five. And next thing you know, you end up with around 30 assists, which like, let's be real. The Warriors are going to play a ball movement, kind of multiple playmaker style, no matter what. So how can you make it work without Draymond Green, who's clearly kind of the guy you run it through if he's there? I find it super interesting because we've talked a lot and we were chatting about this a little bit. Clay coming back as point guard clay, goggles clay, passing clay, behind the back clay, whatever you want to call it. Is, is an enormous boon for the Warriors because lost in kind of the Warriors have been playing great defense since Draymond Green's been out. Fantastic defense since Draymond Green's been out. But they're giving up 10 assists a game and the best they can do is basically play Steph like Draymond. He's initiating a lot more offense. He's taking and, on. And you're right. He was doing that the first, the, the first handful of games he was playing kind of more like a traditional point guard. You know, it was like the 8 to 10 assists and a lot of kind of him handling and finding the guy type of thing, which is like atypical for the Warriors, but it's for sure kind of what I expected them to do. And it works to a degree, but also you've got Steph kind of in a huge rut. So all of a sudden you turn the page, Clay Thompson comes back 
and he's suddenly throwing four assists a game. And you're right, it really doesn't do justice to dribble penetration, creation, hockey assists. He was everywhere. The Warriors are super thin at that creator spot, right? You've got Steph Curry who can get his own shot, Jordan Poole who can get his own shot. Clay, kind of at the apex of the 2019 finals, could go get his own shot. But this is 941 days later, Clay, and he's still shown a little bit of that. But more, I think, impressive is the fact that he's reading the defense. He had so many brilliant passes today. That just adds another layer. And maybe the Warriors now, like the concern before the season was, do you have enough secondary shot creation? The issue, I think, shifts a little bit more to do you have enough size to hold up against people like Carl Anthony Towns, the the huge bigs that you've got, Jokic, Embiid later in the playoffs, um, to our and, more I, and I don't even and I don't even know that it's size as much as just front court athleticism. I thought sure. Jared, I thought particularly in the first half of the game, uh, Jarrett Vanderbilt had a huge impact for them, and he's he's not the most skilled player in the NBA, but he is very long and very athletic, and he knows how to use it. And uh, the Wolves had the lead at halftime, and a lot of it was built off of him, McDaniel's, obviously Towns, um, just bigger, faster, stronger, I guess is the best way to put it. And like, obviously the Warriors are without Draymond Green and Draymond goes a long way in alleviating some of that stuff. But like, I I thought the Wolves kind of poked at what I would call the Warriors' biggest weaknesses, which we're discussing right now, which is like, how do they handle hyper-athletic size? Obviously the the biggest case of this is, you know, Giannis, who we kind of assume everything's going to go through at some point in the season, right? But it's like, even even if you want to take it back to the Western Conference, yeah, DeAndre Ayton, you know, if you're going to motivate Ayton, that's a pretty big and athletic guy who's going to make a lot of noise on the glass, right? For sure. Ayton, Jokic, maybe not so much from a physical sense, but from a finesse yeah, polish you're yeah, cooked a special player right yeah they're just cooked um and, and i think cat is kind of cat's more physical than Jokic and more skilled than or he can at least stretch out further than ayton so he presents a kind of unique mismatch um you're right though the first half i think was it's clear my the oddly enough the person who observes this the best is my grandmother who's a huge warriors fan by the way she's back in india now but she wouldn't miss nice. a game while she was here and my mom are just like you know these other teams just seem bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than the Warriors. And invariably, especially over the last couple of seasons, that's been true. And last season, you know, the Warriors experimented with subbing in kind of more athleticism. Right. It, I, it, it kind of worked, kind of didn't in some ways. Obviously, there, there are players like Kelly Ray Jr. who inject athleticism but are obviously no longer on the Warriors. I think that's just a the reality of the roster construction is that the Warriors are, you know, they've got a bunch of vet mins who are on the wrong side of 30. They've got a bunch of younger players who are pretty athletic, but you know, on the wrong side of 21, yeah. on the wrong side of 21, precisely. So they've got to, they've got to kind of scratch, claw, kick, scream, do whatever they can. Um, you assume though, that, you know, on a, on a game like tonight where the whistle I thought was um, not bad, but definitely not going the Warriors way. Things kind of evened out over the course of the game. They got just enough pieces of Vanderbilt, just enough a box out on the, the Timberwolves hyper athletic front line be able to make a difference. There's going to be games. I mean, the Timberwolves, to be clear, still total 10 offensive rebounds. Somehow, though, I look at the statute, the Warriors also got 10. Three from Looney, a couple each from Peyton and Poole. I don't know how it happened. Like, I thought the dominance on the glass was pretty significant. But if you look at the box score, somehow, um, and this is kind of gang rebounding, Warriors ended up with 46 team rebounds um, to the Timberwolves' 42. Obviously, shooting 60% from three and 50% from the field will help in that category. But I thought it was pretty interesting. 
Well, yeah, and I think in the second half they started kind of doubling on box outs of, of yep. certain players. But in general, that's going to be kind of the question going forward. Do they have enough athleticism? And it's not really going to be a question we're going to be able to answer until Draymond Green's back. And based on everything, it doesn't sound like that's happening next week. Um, there's going to be an update at some point over the weekend. And I kind of just the way they're talking about it. Do you, I don't know if you agree with me. I don't think we're going to see him before the all-star break. I'm not optimistic, honestly, Sam. And I think, you know, I want to withhold judgment until we actually hear something because we heard both ends of the spectrum, right? We heard, I think Mark Spears said, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And then Warriors PR had a field day the next day saying, oh, he's doing great. Things are fine. I, the reality is probably somewhere in between those two extremes, but a, oh, Draymond's back on February 2nd or 3rd is, is not, I don't think it's likely or possible. No, I agree with you. It's, it seems like probably post all, if we get to the all-star break and there's no timeline, then I'll start worrying. But like, I've yeah. kind of made amends of the fact that like, they're just going to have to get through this spell without him. We buried the lead. I, I want to move this real quick. Yeah. We buried the lead. We did. The Warriors have two all-star starters. Yeah. Um, w- one of them is uh, one Mr. Stephen Curry, which I, I don't think comes as a surprise to anyone. The other, Andrew Wiggins. Your thoughts? I'm going to let it sink in because, I mean, we've got a bunch of people here, 246 people, if my, my counter is correct. That's crazy. And like, I'll be the first to admit when the, I first heard the rumor, because this tends to happen a lot, right? Um, Warriors front office is thinking about doing something. You hear kind of any, any front office does this. There's like feelers out into the media. You hear about it like, oh, the Warriors might be on the move for, for Andrew Wiggins. My first reaction was, oh, no. But then, you know, I kind of talked myself into it over the course of a month. And I'm like, this is probably Stockholm syndrome. But, you know, let's roll the dice, see what the hell happens. We are, if the window is closed here, the window is closed. The turnaround has been remarkable. And I think I, I tweeted about this and I'm going to write about it after we get done here. The Warriors front office, this could have gone two ways. This could have been the ultimate high on your own supply. We value Warriors culture. We think we can rehabilitate anybody mistake. But instead, it turns Kevin Durant into essentially Kuminga and Wiggins. Yeah. I mean, first off, um, the starter thing to me, speaks to the power of Warrior fans. I want to get that out there right now. Andrew Wiggins performing this way on 28, the only other team I think that would vote him in would have been the Lakers, honestly, quite frankly. Um, But with that said, I do think he's an all-star. I do think when you look at the Western Conference, when you look at the 12 best players in the first half of the season, when you factor in the, the fact that like guys like Anthony Davis and Paul George have missed half the season. And when you start looking at the West, you're like, okay, Jokic is better. LeBron is better. Gobert and Draymond have had more impactful seasons. After that, it starts getting pretty dicey in the West. There's no Kawhi Leonard. Guys like Anthony Davis, like I said, missed half the season. Like He's bona fide top 12 player in the West for the first half of the season and deserves this. And the Warriors deserve all the credit in the world for all the work in kind of taking a player who is kind of a punchline and turning him into an all-star. There's no way around it. But the starter thing, I just want to give a shout out to every Warriors fan who voted for him because 
I don't think this happens without the fan vote. And I don't think he's getting that fan vote if he's a Phoenix Sun. Like, no offense. I just, it, I don't think he's definitely not getting it if he's in Minnesota. <laughs> it's one of those things that it speaks to the Warriors' place in the NBA hierarchy of relevance that Wiggins performing like this on this team gets a certain level of attention that gets him to one of, to be one of the 10 most popular players in a voted contest. It's unbelievable. I think I'm going to draw a very strange analogy here, which is to tie to the huge Warriors, uh, excuse me, Niners uh, Rams game this coming weekend. Wins are not a, an individual stat in any team sport. Um, Right. We, we should get that out of the way right now. But Wiggins's ascension to the All-Star game coincides with, quote unquote, winning basketball that he's playing. And it's really come with him shedding the expectations of a number one draft pick or a high draft pick and someone who's got to carry a team on his own and becoming the best version of himself. That's a second or third or fourth banana. He simplified his shot selection. The step backs, the long kind of frustrating step back twos are mostly gone. He's canning threes at an all time rate. He's a cutter. He's an elite defender. He takes on the opposing team's best, uh, best offensive player night in and night out. And that simplification has allowed him to blossom. And so, like you said, credit to Dub Nation Warriors fans for going nuts with the voting. Um, I think there were some K-pop uh, superstars involved in this as well. Um, but also kudos to the Warriors coaching staff. They should be taking justifiable victory laps here. They saw the potential. They sought it out. They made the trade when, you know, it was not a guaranteed success at all. They rehabilitated Wiggins' value. Now he's not just trade bait. He's a core part of this unit, and he's still only 26 years old. Yeah, and, and like, look, we were talking about the Wolves game earlier, and we didn't even mention Wiggins. Another 7 for 12, five three-pointers, 19 threes, five rebounds, four. So just steady is not even a fair fair word for it. Like, that's – that is just that is great production on a nightly basis. It's just like yeah. th- this team. Th- there's just so many other things to talk about that. Like we're now penciling in that he's going to give the Warriors an efficient 15 to 20. Um, he's going to guard one of the other team's best perimeter players. He's going to contribute in a facsimile of ways. He's going to hit a ton of open threes. That's the part which. I knew he could shoot a little bit. I did not see him turning into like, I would just say if he's open and his feet are set, it's auto, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's as good as auto Porter in those type of shots where it's like open feet set. If he misses, it's like, well, you know, no one hits a hundred percent, but like, yeah, it's just, it feels, I mean, he's, he's playing phenomenal basketball and you know what? It's, it's good. It's it is like you said. It's an organizational victory. I would say it's like a fan base victory. It's everything. Like the coaching staff deserves their credit for kind of taking a player who was kind of the punchline for bad losing basketball and turning him into winning basketball, or just like tweaking his game so it could be productive in a winning environment. And the fan base deserves credit for recognizing it and kind of getting their power behind it and letting everyone know, like you know the Warriors matter. And if you play at this level with the Warriors and it contributes to winning, they will reward you. hundred percent. The last thing I want to say about Wiggins is in the statute, what jumps out is something that I noticed in game as well, which is the four assists tonight in Minnesota. If he drives into the lane and he's kind of looking at the hoop that that's going up, 
but he found people going to the hoop and creating for others. That's something unexpected from Clay, sure, even more unexpected from Wiggins, who was known as a little bit of a black hole in his time in Minnesota. So to simultaneously reduce the black holiness of your game, improve your efficiency, pick your spots, take on tough defensive assignments, but also blossom in other areas, that's awesome. Um, and I think, you know, picture laps all around. It's fantastic for for the Warriors, especially because now they've got, like you said, someone they can pencil in for 15, five, give or take, maybe more, rarely less. Yeah. And I just want to say, I'm, I'm seeing the chats mentioning this. The amount it makes other fan bases mad <laughs> that it got voted in. Uh, I want that. <laughs> Well, I want to open this to callers right now, but please call in. Let's discuss that because I was, you know, Twitter's Twitter, but I was, um, I was laughing at media members and, you know, kind of bloggers and stuff being so upset that he won a fan vote to get an all-star game. And that just kind of reminded me that the Warriors are back, you know, yep, like that's just another reminder that it just, really makes you that upset that a bunch of fans voted for Andrew Wiggins. Like it's not my fault that there's 10 Suns fans out there, you know, it's not my <laughs> fault that no one wanted to vote for Mikel Bridges. Who, by the way, big fan. Awesome. Yeah, player. Huge fan. But like, not, not, not my problem. Anyway, let's get, let's get to some callers. Let's get moving. Light years podcast brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. I'm getting mine this week, Sam. I got fat over the holidays, gained like 20 pounds. So I'm trying to eat healthy, right? I'm trying to not spend as much money at the grocery store. uh, And I'm trying to make eating and cooking fun and affordable. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients straight to your door, including farm fresh produce, that arrives with within a week, so you get convenience without skipping on quality. You can, like I said, skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the wait in long lines and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. HelloFresh also cuts back on time spent in the kitchen. If you are like me, I hate cooking. So this is gonna make my life a lot easier. You can spend it on your other New Year's resolutions with meals ready in about 30 minutes or less, plus quick and easy meals, including 20 minute recipes and low prep, Easy cleanup options provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LightYears16, LightYears16, for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LightYears16. Again, that's LightYears16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mick Walters, what is up, my man? Oh, not much. Not much. Thanks for doing this after the game. And hey, you know, all-star, all-star wigs, looking very much forward to that. And to all the Phoenix fans out there, man, don't don't complain about your non-starters. I mean, if you can't even get your guy book voted in, uh, you've got no right complaining about Bridges. <laughs> it's, just, it's absolutely preposterous that they, they couldn't get him in there. So, you know, but what, what can you do? The West is tough. And it's full of all-stars, like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, right. But like the real story here tonight was that Steph got a shot going again. Um, so two games in a row, looking good, feeling positive, you know. And it seems like the good vibes from Clay being back of rubbing off on some people, you know, even Wiggs getting some assists, like you pointed out earlier. And I think, yeah, it's rightfully so. The front office should take a victory lap. I mean, he literally was a pariah when we got him. Like, oh, okay, you got him for contract reasons. Like, uh, maybe you'll flip him for something. Hey, let's say we flipped him into a freaking all-star. How about that? <laughs> let's go and let's go and get excited about that. So yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Hey, take one up there at NBA. Well, we can convert your garbage into gold. <laughs> Big Walters, I love it. It's a perfect call. Um, yeah, I, I feel very motivated that people are upset that Wiggins made the the all-star team. Hey, keep moving. Ryan, what's up, bro? Hey, what's up? My favorite uh, Warriors All-Star story was uh, when fans were getting mad. I think it was like 16 or 17, one of those years, when Zaza was like top four in the front court fan vote. And Twitter was absolutely losing his shit. So I just wanted to mention that Wiggins is second to Zaza, in my opinion, resident Persian Amu Zaza. Um, <laughs> but the, the story of this game for me was um, – well, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Poole all cooked at the same time. We haven't seen that in the whole entire season. So seeing that last two games, 130, 124, Steve Kerr making offensive first substitutions, going with turbocharged lineups to be in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, trying to really step on people's throats. I really love this. I, I'm just excited. It seems like Warriors ball is back, and that is over. Appreciate it, Ryan. I agree with you, by the way, on the offensive first subs. This is this was something I was curious about. Uh, Diggy, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but like losing Draymond, he's such a functional part of the offense. Um, defense is what it is. They're going to compete. There's just there's no schematic thing you can do to like make up for kind of Draymond, who's probably the best defensive player of the last 15, 20 years. Uh, offensively, though, it was going to require tweaks, and it, it seems like they're making the right tweaks. They're getting Jordan Poole in there a little more, a little, little more driving kick, a little less kind of like throw it through the post. Um, it's interesting. I'm a huge fan. I think two big things that have stood out. One, it was covered in, in excruciating detail in the national broadcast is Clay's new rotation feels a lot better from both a Clay Thompson perspective, but also a who's going to keep us afloat perspective. You know, more Clay is always better than less Clay, especially if he's shooting it the way he is. The other thing I think is what I'm calling the the mid-range assault the Warriors are putting on people. We've seen Steph do it out of necessity. His shots from deep is not falling. So he's decided, okay, let me let me do some other stuff. And 
He's had some very tough inside jumpers that for him are like layups. Um, but we've also seen Jordan Poole do it. We've seen uh, Andrew Wiggins, of course, do it. I think it just opens up the offense. And of course, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, the people who've been exiled to the bench right now are on Toscano Anderson. And that's been an offense first move because the Warriors are playing different lineups, different combinations. We had kind of four shooters on the floor at the same time. I'm just excited to see where this goes when you add Draymond Green back into the mix and his pace and thrust. That may not be for a long time, but even right now I'm starting to salivate. We've seen two thirds of the core three that nearly pulled it off against uh, Toronto in 2019 back and cooking at the same time. I want to see three out of three. That's just going to be a a very happy moment. We got a Steve Kerr postgame quote, by the way, I want to read to you. Um, It says, right now we're wildly entertaining. I want to be entertaining. We made seven to 10 insane plays that are going to get us beat. Ah, classic. He's not, to be clear, I, I am not a basketball coach and Steve Kerr has forgotten more about basketball than I will ever know. And I, I half agree with him. I also think this is like to quote, a, to quote the Mandalorian from Star Wars, this is the way the Warriors have been like this. They're an incredibly high IQ team, but they're also a high variance team. Part and parcel of it is the, the showmanship, the flair, the, I don't know, the, the showtime in them. They, can't, they can't, can't seem to get rid of it, nor would I really ask them to. Um, like even last game's Jonathan Kuminga dunk highlight came on a no, 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 yes, Bielitsa outlet pass. It's just part of who they are, how they play, and it's, it's joy, but it's also going to give Steve Kerr a heart attack at some point. Oh, yes. Let's keep moving. Grant, what's up, man? All right. Um, so I called last uh, episode about the Steph slump. Um, and I don't think like we're completely out of the woods yet on the Steph slump. I think like his body language and energy was still a little strange today. Like like this almost like sarcastic dances when we finally got it going was just like okay, it's just kind of funny and just shows how psychotic he is. And I and I still think that like per your conversation about Kerr, I feel like the thing with Kerr is that like he like really wants to be Popovich, but he is from at least in one part of his career, the Phil Jackson Bulls. Uh, and I just feel like he needs to be more Phil Jackson when he's trying really hard to be pop. Like Sam, you tweeted, oh, the Warriors went to the, the trusty make shots play. And right. it's like, yeah, I mean, like Steph sort of like at one point actually called himself an ISO that didn't seem to be the play and got like an easy bucket. Like Jared Vanderbilt can't actually check it. Like I know it's killing Steph to like let Jared Vanderbilt prance around that like, he can stay in front of him. And because if he actually drove, there'd be three defenders behind him. And like, just like, I think that like part of the Steph slump, which, you know, is terrible for our country, but makes great content in the words of Derek Rebell, um, is like definitely part of like that flow thing and Steve Kerr trying a little too hard, especially like with the substitution packages too. So I don't know. So like, I just think that Steve Kerr is like kind of, you know, oversteering a little bit with a, with certain things. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's like a tricky balance because he's coaching them for the finals and he's coaching them for executing in the finals. And in doing that, he has to kind of get on guys about, you know, stuff that they won't get punished for against quote unquote, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. So it, it's tricky. That's, that's part of the balance. But I, I mean, what are we in year seven with Steve? We know the drill. Yeah. Steve is, Steve is not going to change. He's a, not, I wouldn't call him inflexible because he has shown some right. very positive tendencies, but he is 
less flexible. He's not a Bill Belichick. I'm ripping up the game plan and switching from a three, four to a four, three defense for a weekly opponent. And it's also, it's the NBA, not the NFL. You can't really change that much. Part of it, I think though, Sam, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this is how much is Steve keeping in the bag for the postseason because he's coaching for the postseason and the finals? Maybe this is an oversimplification, but it's, you've seen, you know, how did the Warriors end the Rockets dreams in 2019? Steph Dre, prick and roll over and over until the cows came home and created open shots for either Steph or rolls for Draymond or Clay or whoever. That's not something they do in the regular season. They don't resort to quote unquote resort to that. And if you haven't seen it before, it's hard to scheme against. Um, But also if you haven't run it before, it's hard to run. I don't know. This is maybe me oversimplifying things, but I want to say that Steve Kerr is trying to keep everyone involved, run the, the quote unquote motion offense, keep the ball moving. Everyone touches it. Everyone shoots it. So that in the postseason, when called upon, they can. But otherwise, you know, your starters still, you have insane counter moves that no one's ever seen before and not ready to play. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely part of it. But I just don't know how much it is considering the injuries and everything For sure. they have. Anyway, let's keep, let's keep moving forward. Daniela, what's up? Oh, hi. Um, what's going sorry, on? I didn't realize I was muted. I wanted to say congratulations to Draymond on this TV deal, but is anyone else a little terrified that an active player on our team is signing TV deals? It's a great question. Um, I'm kind of just pretending it's not happening, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, the, I don't know how you feel about it. Like Draymond's really blurring the line of uh, active player slash media mogul at the same time, right? Yeah. I'm... I'm, I'm kind of, I think you said it best. I'm pretending it's not happening because when I saw, I, I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw Draymond in the suit with the turtleneck, I'm like, oh my God, when is he coming back? Is he coming back? First thoughts, obviously, but clear overreaction to the, to the moment at hand. But I think, you know, I think it's incredible for TNT to grab him. He is excellent on inside the NBA. Um, and he has been excellent in the media in general for, for however long. And I think his value add is as someone who knows the game is willing to talk about it, but also has like very strong opinions and, and is firmly of the mindset, like you got to play it to understand, but is willing to at least dispense that knowledge to other people. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's back up on that one. Yeah. He is better at TV than, I mean, it's, it's very hard to think of anyone who's as good as him because it's like, the perfect cross section of uh, high IQ, so he can like ex- he sees the game, uh, and then verbal skill to explain it, and then wittiness. Like, yep. I mean, he's <laughs> he's he's a shit talker. We all know that. Like, he's he's got the ability to get in front of everything there. So, I, I mean, he's <laughs> if he wants to do media, he will be fine for the remainder of his career. But it is kind of strange that he's on the shelf right now. We know this herniated disc is going to go for a long time, and he's just kind of, yeah, we do the media thing. I'm just chalking it up to kind of Draymond being Draymond, and I've seen no sign that, like, when he needs to get on the court, he can't do it. You know what I mean? Precisely. Um, Until I see something otherwise, I'm going to go with that, but, like, I'm more concerned about his health because I'm concerned about his health, not because he's, uh, you know, he has uh, a podcast and he's doing media stuff. Because I just think that's going to be kind of a thing 
for athletes going forward. You know what I mean? Precisely. I think the most important thing about Draymond is he's so hungry to win another title and he's the most competitive. He might be the most competitive player on the Warriors and that's saying something. He might be the most competitive player in the NBA. So I don't think that fire is gone. I don't think that fire is going to be gone until another banner is hanging at Chase Center. So I'm not too worried, but like you said, health is most important. Yeah, I also think he wants another contract and he's not getting that for punditry on TNT. So <laughs> um, it, it's just kind of, he's he's just different like Steph and Clay are just old school the way they do things and like um Draymond's more like you know it's, it's kind of exploring what he can do and I don't know I just think this is going to be a thing that more athletes do like you can look online right now and Duncan Robinson has a podcast Max Crosby has a podcast on the Blue Wire Network um there's just like there's more and more athletes who are doing this stuff while they're playing and I just, I just don't think you can stop it. I, I don't think it's gonna. Um, I don't think you can view it as a, um, as like a sign of anything more than just kind of like this is 2022 and this is kind of what guys want to do. Yep. As a sports fan, I love it. It's amazing. Well, I, love it, I love it when it's someone like Draymond who's just phenomenally like he's just good at it. You know, um, there's other there's other people who you know maybe, maybe you shouldn't do it, but. Anyway. <laughs> Johan, what's up, man? Hi, hello. Pretty good. This is my this is Sam. This is my brother. I'm very <laughs> nervous. Very nice, <laughs> nice. No, I have some basketball questions. So, number one, uh, it seems like uh, Steve Kerr is playing Bielitsa far more than he needs to, and the quick trigger threes, uh, slightly deeper threes that he was famous for near the beginning of the season that got him that 15.10 rebound double-double in the beginning of the season is just completely gone, and he's just looking to put it on the floor, and he's barbecue chicken on the other side. So why do you think he's getting so many minutes, and does Steve have any other options at this point? Vignesh, I'll let you take that one first. Ah, thanks. (laughs) Brother-on-brother violence. No, it's a good (laughs) question. I think, so to answer the first part of the question, which is uh, what happened to deep three shooting Bielitsa, it's he's on the floor now sans Draymond Green, and he's on the floor now trying to be a Draymond Green light and create from, from the post um, or at the top uh, or around the arc on the perimeter. He's being kind of forced out of his typical comfort zone, but also teams are not going to give him a wide open three at any point. Um, they're daring him to put it on the floor, knowing that, you know, if you get him in traffic, if he's got to make a squeeze a tight pass through somewhere, maybe they can get away with it, get a strip, get a steal on the other end of the floor. He is who he is. This is a veteran minimum signing on the wrong side of 30, right? You can't expect too much more out of him. He gives good effort, but sometimes he's just slow of foot and other players are going to get around him and get by him. There's really not much you can do there. Now, why so many minutes? It's precisely the fact that outside of Kevon Looney, the Warriors have zero centers. Yeah, that's it's it like it brings up the the question that Andy and I have been kind of throwing around. Um and that's if the Warriors need to make a move for another front court player before the playoffs start. And then it, it brings the second question, but who do you cut? Who do you get, who do you get rid of? And it, it's just not as straightforward as everything. Like we, the reality is the Warriors wanted James Wiseman to be that, at, not even yep. like the star, just like the guy you throw out there when you want a little more athleticism in the front court. And maybe that was just for 10 to 15 minutes a game, right? That type of thing. But his situation, I mean, Slater's 
reported and you know i have no reason to doubt him because he's highly reliable but like it doesn't seem like he'll be back for the all-star break and that's i i just think we have to kind of move on and be like even when he comes back i don't know that he's in a playoff rotation kind of guy either yeah you know because it's not like he was it'd be one thing if he was 27 and it's like all right we, he just needs 10 games to get his legs under him it's a completely different thing with the stages in his career so it's like short of Kuminga taking a step and like it's they're going to have to make a decision. Do they want to cut someone in, in this rotation? And they like all their players. I like all their players for what they are, just to be clear. Like I don't want to get rid of Juan Scott Anderson. I like Bielitsa for what he is, but it's like, do they want to add a different type of player to help solve potential questions they might have in the playoffs? And I'm not a roster construction expert, and I know there's rules around this, but the, the most common logic I've heard is the, the player that, that fans tend to hate on the most is Chris Chioza, but you cut him, you got to replace him with a two-way player, and there's just very few options that satisfy the Warriors' criteria. Also, two, so, two-way players don't play in the playoffs. So yeah. uh, while it would be nice to have an extra body in the regular season, and maybe they should get a two-way guy just to like limit how much Loon plays, it's not solving your, your playoff. Class. Exactly. So it would strictly be a minutes right. eater for the regular season. And I think it's a good idea. I just, it's a tough, it's a tough question with no easy. End. Yeah. Keep moving. What's up, man. What's up guys. Not much. Just enjoying a Thursday night. How you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Um, how, how you, how do you guys feel about the, the three guard lineup? Which which three guard lineup do you mean? Do you mean Jordan Steph, Jordan Poole, and uh, Gary Payton, or do you mean with Clay or which one? Yeah, yeah, with Clay, with Gary, inter- interchangeable. Okay, VZ, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if Big Nash agrees with me on this one. I don't think it's an issue for them because of how good of defense. Um, one GB two might be the best point of attack defensive player in the league, but two clay can guard threes. I don't think they, I'm trying to think of a team that that would cause issues for. And the only team that it would be a problem against would be the fully healthy Clippers. If they had Kawhi and Paul George at the two and the three, and then you have a size issue. Uh, But that team doesn't exist. Like even like you look at the Lakers, they're playing LeBron at the power forward. It's a different. It's a different problem. Like I, I don't know the team that has two big wings that can take away from this league's gone smaller. Like GP two can guard Devin Booker. Um, if Devin Booker goes off, it's not because of size. It's just because he's having one of those nights. Um, I don't think they have an issue with the three guard lineup because of the defense the guards can play, and because quite frankly, Clay's the same size as most small forwards in the league. Yeah, what was the joke that Draymond made? Um, said come, Clay, you left back before. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you you left as a shooting guard and you came back a not even a small forward, maybe a power forward, even given the the rate the league is is downsizing. I'm strongly with you, Sam. I have I don't can't think of a team just like you said that would put enough pressure on that team defensively because of the way it's constructed. It would be because they're they're having one of those nights where well shit you could have thrown. Uh, I don't know, Scotty Pippen at someone, it wouldn't have mattered. And then on the other end of the floor, they've got to defend two, maybe three premium shooters. Like I'm salivating, and I know this lineup's not going to get a ton of play, but imagine a true five-out lineup of Steph, Clay, Jordan, Wiggins, Otto Porter Jr. as like a weird small ball center. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to guard. And and that kind of gets to the the larger point, which is like if this team has a weakness, it's going to be against a front court that's hyper-athletic. It's not going to be because a team has a 6'9 shooting guard. Like, it it just doesn't exist. There's not a team that has like four 6'9 guys that they're going to go against you. It's going to be against like the – I don't know if the Lakers will actually be able to get it together, but like – LeBron Anthony Davis poses problems for you, right? Like yep. Giannis poses problems for you. Um, those type of like guys who are hyper athletic in the front court will pose problems to you. But that that G- GP two and the three guard lineup doesn't change any of that. Agreed. Uh, let's keep moving. We get a couple more in, and then we'll call it a night. David, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? Um, okay. First thing I wanted to call out, I saw the box score. Looney had seven points tonight, and I'm thinking, when the hell did Looney score seven points in the game? <laughs> I remember a free throw. I don't remember anything else. Um, anyways, regardless of that, um, they're looking better. It's exciting to see uh, Steph playing better. Um, I agree with all the front court stuff. And something that I just wanted to point out, I've been thinking about the coaching staff a lot recently. I know Kerr's been getting some flack, and he's obviously fallible, but... Just like to calm the fan base down, I feel like, you know, we have one of the best, if not the best coaching staff in the NBA, top to bottom. And I've noticed a philosophy that I think might be counter-cultural from the Warriors coaching staff. And I want to see if you guys agree with me, but it seems like Kerr really likes to stick with players as opposed to just like change up things. It's like, no, they've thought through like the best combinations and possibilities for their lineups for times of games, for rotations, et cetera, for matchups. And regardless of how a player plays on any given night outside of the seems like Kaminga, he's going to keep them in if they're play, even if they're playing bad because he believes in the person and, and their thought process is sound. So I think maybe some of the frustration with the coaching staff and the rotations and substitution patterns resides in the fact that Kerr just like wants to give people a chance because they've already thought through the possible outcomes and they're sticking to their guns. But I figure I'd just let you guys, I don't know, give me thoughts on that. David, appreciate the call. I mean, you're 100% dead on. Like that's, for better or worse, that's that's how Steve coaches. That's also how he gets more out of players. Um, the downside to it is, you know, Festus is in game seven of the 2016 finals. But um, the plus side to it is, you know, more often than not, it's paid off if we want to put that one away. So um, it is, it's part of their philosophy. It can be annoying when you watch a player who's going through a poor spell, continue to get chances, but watch another team where guys get buried and get like dog housed and there's no trust. And you'll come away from it with this general, okay, all things considered, this is the better approach. I wanted to to give a shout out. The first half of the point that was just made was uh, was something that Sam and Andy have been insisting on this podcast for a long time, which is, you know, Warriors developmental staff needs an overhaul, and they now possess what is pr- arguably, maybe inarguably, the strongest top to bottom coaching staff in the entire league. Like, there's multiple assistants that either were or are going to become again head coaches in the NBA, and right, you know, Sam and Andy have been calling this on Light Years Pod for for a year now, it's like, Hey, with Warriors need to get more out of their players. Um, and to the, to the latter point, hundred percent, you get, you know, Festus is in game sevens. I, I raise you an Anderson Verge out. 
You know, if this stuff <laughs> happens, it, it's it's part and parcel of Steve Kerr because he was one of those guys, right? And, you know, he's won an NBA Finals by virtue of his shot making because he was put in a position to succeed. So I, it may be infuriating at times. I don't know if I would specifically change it. I know that the long leash gives the Warriors players Kuminga accepted, of course. I'm not sure why his leash is as short as it is. It gives them a chance to kind of play out of trouble. And as, you know, everyone, it's January 27th right now. This is a good time if there's ever a good time to be slumping. It's better now than kind of heading into the postseason. Work those kinks out, you know, face the adversity, solve the problems, get your head right, get your head in the game, and then get rolling right before the postseason starts. Perfect. I think we leave it there. I appreciate everyone who called in tonight. If we didn't get to you tonight, we'll get to you next time. Subscribe, rate five stars. Thank you, Big Nesh, for joining us tonight. Thank you so much, Sam. Mm-hmm.